This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey, everybody, welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your almost every Wednesday live cast brought to you on Twitch. But not today. Uh, my name is Reese from FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies all the days of the week. With me is the one, the only, the Rhino. Hello. And we are broadcasting from sunny Boulder City, Nevada. For the first time, not in uh, the Golden State, we're in the Silver State. Did you know that that's uh, what Nevada is called? The Silver State? Yeah, it's kind of funny that we moved from the Golden State to the Silver State. Feels. <laughs> <laughs> it's the second place, you know. Second place is still placing, Reese. But you know what? It's arbitrary whether it's gold or silver is better. Uh, all the thing, only thing I can tell you is that I am quite happy that we made the move. Um, but you might notice uh, keen observers that were not live on Twitch uh, and that we did not broadcast last week, and that is because... We don't have internet in our new facility yet. Uh, one of these funny things that happens when you relocate facilities. When we called the internet service provider, uh, we asked uh, to transfer our service because we have really, really high speed internet. And they looked at the map and they said, yeah, you're good to go. So we're like, great. We move out. Frankie was the first wave of attack to come out and uh, get uh, set up in our new, uh, we took over like basically half of an industrial strip. Uh, out here in Boulder yeah, City. And there were a herd of death claws here. Uh, if you played Fallout New Vegas, that was a reference to you. And we couldn't put the internet up because we had to kill them all. Right. So I had my Desert Eagle. I snuck in, took the shot for the eye, 96% chance, missed. missed. Always a good time. And now we don't have internet. Or me. <laughs> the death claw got me. So it's, uh, yes, and it is the same Boulder City from Fallout New Vegas, which hilariously is how most of the people related to uh, any knowledge about this very small city in uh, Nevada. And yeah, it was in the game. But uh, hilariously, when we, we set up the new facility, because we actually already had a facility here in Boulder City, uh, Nevada, um, Frankie's brother was running our laser cutting uh, portion of our business. So we already had kind of a foot in the water, so to speak, toes in the water out here. And uh, when we moved into the new facility, uh, oddly, the buildings to the left, right, and behind us all had internet, but this building did not. <laughs> so, fun times, we had to put in a petition with the city to allow uh, the internet service provider to come in and dig up the street to lay down, um, I don't know if it's going to be coax or uh, fiber optic cable, but whatever. And uh, that will, because of the speed of, of, of the government will finally be done. The permit will be approved on the 15th. That's actually really fast, by the no, way. No, no, we put it in in November. Yeah, that's fast. Oh, no, we put it in October, excuse oh, me. Well, that's normal. That is not, that is, this is a popul. this is a city, a population of like 15,000 people. They have a lot of death claws they have to deal with. <laughs> I was like, what else are they dealing with? How did it take they that just, long? They just opened up a Taco Bell. That's, you know what? I don't want to. We're not here to talk about politics, but this is the difference between the private and the public sector, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so the the local city council takes months to get it approved. The internet service provider will have the the work done within a couple of days, probably. So at any rate, uh, you know, rant aside, 
we don't have internet and that is why we also don't have phones because we use VoIP phones, voice over internet protocol. Yep. And um, we don't have any means of getting the phones up and running, but that we should have that resolved today. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the Rhino has uh, uh, donated his internet. He's taken one for the team. And um, my wife is, and, and daughter, three-year-old daughter, are going to be answering phone calls at my house for frontline gaming business calls. And then, um, you know, what service you get will be 50-50. You might either get uh, an adult woman who knows who doesn't know what she's talking about or a three-year-old who doesn't know what she's talking about, but at least she's cute doing it. You know, you might get Mr. or Mrs. or Baby Rhino. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Pablo has taken one for the team, and he's willing to uh, – he's going to be working from home because, you know, this thing, these things happen when you relocate your business. This is yeah. just a part of the way things go sometimes. <laughs> and uh, he's going to be uh, fielding calls in his living room yes. <laughs> until we can get everything up and running here uh, because I know a lot of people are trying to call in because – just normal customer service stuff or specifically for the LVO. And it's weird not you know, when the phone doesn't even ring. Um, but, you know, we're going through this long-winded explanation so people understand what's going on. And uh, we should be up and running with the phones, hopefully today, Wednesday, the 8th of January. Um, and, <coughs> you know, don't don't call at like midnight because no. the rhino won't be answering. He'll be, he'll be fielding calls during normal business hours. So, uh, interesting stuff, but I thought it would be fun because a lot of people have asked us um, about the move. A lot of people are curious because, as we've discussed in previous shows, some of the reasons why we left California, um, and I thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about our personal experiences about the move because that's really what's been dominating our lives in the last couple weeks, moving the business, moving all the employees, and it's been, logistically, it's been quite the feat for anybody that's ever moved their home, they know how much of a pain in the butt it is. Even if you only live in an apartment, it's um, it's a challenge when you live in a you know a home and you have kids and a lot of stuff. It's real pain in the butt. Now try to do that for a business with manufacturing equipment, you know, years of accumulated stuff over ten thousand miniatures, I think it was, and then also doing it for yourself and coordinating all the employees at the same time. You know, we basically moved what nine people simultaneously plus the business. Yep. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was logistically, it was quite the feat and Pablo helped coordinate a lot of it. Um, so yeah, it was a real pain in the neck, but we're all getting kind of settled in and uh, it's, it's quite, it's quite the difference from what we're used to living in the city in California. Pablo, you, you were born and raised San Diego. This is the first time you've ever left S San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. I've moved out a couple of times within San Diego, but this is the first time out of state. And uh, you know, for me, I, I'm a rolling stone. I've moved almost I've never lived in one place. For, I've never lived in one under one roof for more than a couple of years since I was like eight or nine years old. I lived in a different house every year of high school, for example. Wow. Yeah. So I've moved a lot. I'm used to it. But moving out of state presents some interesting uh, changes and challenges, differences. You got to get a new license plate for your car. You got to get a new driver's license, register to vote, all that stuff. So, um, it's been interesting, but like culturally uh, and, you know, financially leaving the, the, you know, I'm not here to bash California. I love California and, and I will miss it, but man, I'm really happy that we, we made the jump. How, how are you feeling about it so far on, uh, a, on a personal level? I mean, I really like it. Uh, I, so I didn't move out to Boulder city like the rest of the company did. I moved about, it's about a 20 minute commute, which for me is like, is nice. Um, 
uh, from Las Vegas proper. Well, from what you're used, you're used to gnarly, yeah, long commutes in California traffic. Yes, which is awful. Yeah, for me, a 20 minute commute, no traffic, is is uh, amazing. It's um, you know, it's great. And then where I'm located is I'm located like maybe five minutes from the strip. Like I can see the strip from my house. Um, and it's uh, it's a nice nice neighborhood. There's a lot of places around. So. Well, you're and you're in like a four bedroom house with a, ne- a beautiful pool. Yeah, and I'm paying significantly less than what I paid in San Diego. You you're paying less. And again, we're not here to please don't take it this way. We're not here to bash California or anything. But just it, I thought it'd be fun to share, kind of like the 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 how nice it is. Um, you're paying less for a four bedroom house with a pool. Well, a large pool. A large, like a nice pool. Then I paid for a one-bedroom apartment. Yes. In uh, San Diego. Now, to be fair, it was a spacious one-bedroom, and it wasn't a nice neighborhood. But I had no parking, no heating or air conditioning. No elevator. Uh, no elevator in a over a hundred-year-old building, with no um, washer or dryer. Uh, one bedroom, right? And the the no AC, no heating in San Diego is not that big of a deal. Uh, it's maybe you know a month in the winter and a month in the summer when it's uncomfortable, but it's like that's the difference in what you get, yeah. right? And uh, you, you, the place you're in is is amazing. It's nice. You then you would never be able to afford that in California, at least no. not in San Diego. Maybe maybe in another city, a smaller city um, in California, that might be feasible, but probably not. Yeah, and and um, I don't I don't want to get too much into politics either, but uh, moving out of or actually not just moving out, but just planning all of this and uh, thinking about how buying houses and, and property values and all that um, just really showed me what the middle class looks like versus what like the upper class and lower class. And um, it, it's really, there are certain places in San, in California and especially San Diego um, where if you have a middle class income household, uh, you pretty much don't have a place to actually be comfortable in. Yeah. And it's, again, we're, we're only sharing this because it's been on our mind and a lot of people have been asking and we'll get to the gaming in the very near future here. Mm-hmm. But uh, looking at, obviously did a ton of research before we made the decision to uproot our company and ourselves. Um, looking at the demographics of the people leaving and going into California, it's really interesting. I think it tells the whole story. Uh, last year, 6 million people left the fine state of California mm-hmm. and 5 million people came in. It was one of the first times they had negative population growth. San Diego County had the first negative population growth in like 30 years. Yeah. Something like that. And if you look at the demographics of the people going out, it's almost all what you would consider to be middle-class people between 25 and hundred K household income, mostly in the you know, 60, 80 household income, you know, 40 to 80, I should say, which is definitively middle-class. So the, the average household in the United States is about, is about 60 household income. Yeah. And then the people coming in, this is the really, this is the telling part. The people coming in, almost all of them made under 20K, which they don't measure less than that. And if you live in California, you know that there's a homeless epidemic. It's largely that sort of uh, demographic of, of person. Or they made 200K plus. Yeah. And it's really, really interesting to look at that. Like the middle class is literally leaving the state to places like Idaho, Texas, Arizona, uh, North Carolina, uh, uh, Nevada, obviously Washington, and they're coming in from places like New York, uh, mostly the the Northeast, and uh, it's really really interesting. It's going to be curious to see 
um, where everything is in, in, you know, five, 10 years. Cause another thing, another stat I was reading and I can't verify this, I might be misquoting it, but it was something like 6,000 businesses left the state, mostly small to medium sized businesses like us. Cause it's just getting, it's dang near impossible to, to make it work. Yeah. Another thing that that statistic doesn't show is, um, the turnover in new businesses, uh, <clears throat> just in my area alone in San Diego, uh, there's one Mexican taco shop, which I think best illustrates it. We always laugh at it and it's like, it's, we always call it Roberto's or Alberto's or Francisco's. Cause Francisco's, it's constantly changing. It's every couple months. It's like a new owner, yep. new taco shop but it still keeps the same layout. So it's just an ever evolving taco shop that occasionally adds something new to the menu. Um, <clears throat> but there's a lot of stuff in San Diego like that. Uh, so so it's not just businesses moving out. There's tons of businesses constantly going in and out of businesses. And there's entire places that I'm seeing now in San Diego that are completely devoted to just getting a new business in, using them for what they're worth. Uh, and then, and then uh, like, okay, you're, you can't pay anymore. You're out. We're going to get a new person in with their antique tricycle shop or their you know uh popcorn 31 flavors of popcorn or you know just some random thing yeah i was actually a friend of mine works in the uh in franchising for a a large uh, corporation and they were saying that even trying to get franchises going in the fine state of california is becoming more and more difficult because people aren't willing to take the risk so at any rate um it's a very positive move for us we're all feeling more financially free. The business, we were doing fine as a business. We were profitable, but it, it really felt like we were working our butts off to just kind of tread water. And now it's like, we're going to be working our butts off and we're going to be able to do so much more. We're going to be able to, to launch so many more new products, new uh, new business ventures, take more risks. We just acquired a, an entire new company or a very a small business, like a basically a two-person operation. Um, when we moved here, one of our neighbors was a, a really nice, uh, uh, kind of older gentleman. He had a bunch of manufacturing equipment he was looking to, to liquidate. And as fate would have it, he hit it off with Frankie and uh, is selling us our business. So, um, not only are we moving, lowering our overhead, we're all not in traffic anymore, not literally walking over homeless people on the way to, to work. We also just picked up a bunch of new manufacturing equipment, which is very exciting. So we're going to have all these new products we're going to be able to bring out. It's just been very, very positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone in the, the town that we're in is incredibly friendly. Nevada has been very welcoming. The people have been so nice. And um, it, it's been very positive. Yeah. I, I, what I will say is there's a bit of a culture shock. It's um, different. It, it is. It's. Di- I can't, I haven't quite put my finger on it yet, but it is different. Um I think the biggest thing that's affected me is actually the left turns. Um, I come from San Diego where, you know, um, a green arrow on every street, there's a green arrow every street. And um, here in driving through Las Vegas, and unless you're on the strip, uh, all the left turns are healed with no arrows. Yeah. So it's, it's a little weird. There's just little things like that. Well, in Boulder um, City, they don't, there's like, we have like four stoplights, I think, total. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're on a highway and you're turning into residential areas from the highway, you know, while going like 60 in some places. Well, in Boulder, yeah. I would recommend slowing through. down. Oh, yeah. Obviously, you don't <laughs> turn, make the turns at 60. But um, it, it's it's definitely uh, different. I, I can't, like I said, I haven't quite, even driving through like rural places like in Ramona or in the mountains. Um, in San Diego, it's, it's not the same. It's just different. So, yeah. You notice that in other States you go to, like a lot of States, they don't even, they don't have sidewalks that always threw me for a loop. 
hmm. for whatever reason, right? Like in the, or no bike lanes and stuff like that. So there's little differences, but um, at any rate, we wanted to, to, to say thank you to California for being our home and giving us a place to grow up, to start Frontline Gaming, to meet all the wonderful people. And California is a wonderful state. It, right now, there's some weird, you know, policies and stuff that depending on where you're at, it, it can make life more challenging or easier. Um, for us, it just it really was a challenge. And uh, I, I love California. We're going to miss it. I'm, I'm thankful for being able to grow up in such a wonderful place with the beach and the mountains and it's fun and there's a lot happening there, but it was time to move. And, and so far Nevada has welcomed us with open arms mm. and I'm really thankful that we were able to make the, the move and um, put us in a better financial place. And just, it's, it, it's been a very positive move. And it, so far, despite how hard it was to move and how much of a pain in the butt, I'm really glad that we, we pulled it off. Yeah. And <clears throat> I want to give a special shout out to, uh, uh, Arkbest, uh, UPAC, which is the company we used to move out here. Um, it was the first time I'd, I'd done something like this. And for those of you who don't know, essentially it's a company where they drop off a trailer at your house or a cube or something, and then you pack it up and then they haul it over. Um, <clears throat> it was for the most part went smoothly. Uh, my move was unfortunate, uh, in that it did arrive a little late. However, their customer service is amazing. And they took care of it when I called because my stuff hadn't, you know, my entire house worth of stuff hadn't arrived yet. And it had been about a week. Uh, and the lady I spoke to handled it well. She, she got everything taken care of. And they even sent me a $100 like, gift card, like just, just for the trouble. Um, yeah. So I highly recommend them. And I, I told her I would give them a shout out on our podcast um, for, for doing such a good job. They, they really were great. And thank you for coordinating that. Pablo took on most of that by himself. And like you said, like they came to our business, they dropped off basically two cargo containers you would see behind a big rig, not quite that big, but not far off. And that enabled us to move the majority of the business and the majority of the employees' personal stuff affordably. Uh, it was only like 2,300 bucks. And then we're going a considerable distance and just driving a single U-Haul um, that wasn't as big would have cost close to that with gas and everything else. So it really made it affordable to get everybody out here. Um, so we're really thankful for that. Yeah. So let's talk about gaming. And uh, for those of you um, who are rolling your eyes, uh, if you didn't enjoy that kind of real life logistical <laughs> stuff, uh, we apologize. Thank you for hanging in there with us. But um, obviously that's been the center point <clears throat> of our lives in the last few weeks. But uh, we'll get back into the gaming because there's a lot going on. Here we are only two I can't believe it. Two weeks and change away from the LVO. Every single year, it feels like it sneaks up on us. It's nuts, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But we had some really cool stuff uh, come out from Games Workshop. And anybody who is uh, a regular customer of ours, thank you for being patient during this transitional phase. We're getting all caught up right now. Uh, GW released some amazing, or I should say Forge World, Deathwing Knights <laughs> for the Horus Heresy game. They're, they're stunning models. Absolutely gorgeous. They're painted really well, too. Yeah. The original uh, Dark Angels colors are, are black. Uh, for people who, most of you listening to this know that, of course. Um, and they look so sharp. I uh, love it. You can never go wrong with a black, red, and white paint scheme. It just works very well. And then, of course, the new release coming up. And the last thing that's going to be coming out before the Las Vegas Open rules cut off is going to be Sisters of Battle... Uh, not really any new rules per se. Is it that weird train piece? Yeah. So we were getting tons of questions about how people, because people want to use this train piece. It's very good. 
And we were saying no because we didn't know what it looked like or how big it was. We didn't want someone to show up with like, you know, a Fortress of Redemption and say, this is my Sisters of Battle shrine and hide the whole <laughs> army behind it. But it will be out in time for the LVO, like by barely, like days before. So um, that you will be able to use it. And then the Sisters of Battle Codex and a bunch of plastic kits are coming out. Yeah. Um, so the Sisters will be... Will well, be, the, their Codex already came out. Right. But it hasn't been widely widely available. Now right. it is. But the thing is, the, the, the list deadline for the LVO is the 13th. So you want to make sure to get that done. Um, you know, if you want to play Sisters, you don't have a Codex. There's ways to find information online. I'm sure you're all resourceful with your Google Foo. Make sure to get out there and get that done. Uh, and if you are coming to the 40K Champs, make sure to get your list uploaded by the 13th. Do not wait until the 13th, because if you do it wrong, uh, you will not have time to fix it, and you're going to get a yellow card. And uh, there's a little bit of a grace period. We give you a couple days to get it in. If you don't get it in within that grace period, you'll get another yellow card, uh, and that's not good. You don't want to come into the event with one strike and you're out. So do yourself a favor, get your list uploaded ASAP into Best Coast Pairings. You do it via um, you can do it via their, their website or the app. And if you had somebody else buy your ticket for you, if someone transferred you their ticket, it's going to show up on BCP under their name, their email. You need to get that fixed. Again, don't procrastinate. If you wait until the last minute, you're not going to have time to do everything. Yeah, and please don't have them email us don't email us with an email saying my friend bought me a ticket and i'm not on bcp and i demand to be put on bcp because we need to have them release it to right. you unless right. the only way you get around that is if on the notes on the ticket they said it was for you then we yes. can but we um, still need their name and, yep. their, and their order number and and email stuff. yeah the email and then make sure you get that don't wait don't don't procrastinate it's only going to hurt you it doesn't hurt us it hurts you so uh, make sure to get that done. Make sure to get your list uploaded for the 40K champs. Uh, for the friendly, make sure you get your list uploaded as well because your list has to be approved by the TO uh, to make sure it's a friendly list, a themed list. And Age of Sigmar as well, make sure to get your lists uploaded. Um, that, it's so much easier for them because they have War Scroll Builder. Uh, you basically just export the file and upload it. It's so easy. Mm. Uh, and Best Coast Pairings did release a very cool new feature that uh, will tell you more or less what you did wrong if you didn't upload your list correctly. Because it is, it is kind of a bear to do it, I'm not going to lie. Um, you can do it in... Um, um, HTML? No, uh, War, uh, Army Builder. Army, Army Builder. Yeah, that, that's, right? that's, yeah. yeah, I use a spreadsheet. I, I don't use any other third-party <laughs> stuff. No, I'm not putting it down. I just I don't use it. Yeah. But I believe it's Army Builder. It's I'm Army Builder uh, uh, export. Yeah, in the simplified format, it will upload correctly. And that's what I think most people are doing. But uh, if you write it out, you have to do it exactly correctly. Um, most people are used to it by now, but we still have occasionally someone who's uh, not used to basically writing in semi-code. Um, and the reason that it is done that way is that some of the, the, the code, it is code, but don't be intimidated by that, that you put in there, it tells the script in BCP, how to read your list. And then it uploads it. And then we get all this incredible data out of it. That that's so useful to make the game better. Right? Like how many people are taking. Night yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. You know, like it's incredibly valuable data. Um, and now the BCP guys have built into it. 
if you didn't do it right, it will pretty much tell you what you did wrong so you can self-correct. Yeah. Really cool. So get that done uh, ASAP. You don't want to wait. Uh, it's only going to help you the quicker you get it done. Uh, some of the other fun stuff to be aware of. Uh, the deadline to transfer your ticket to another party, if you cannot go or you change your mind, you don't want to go or whatever the case may be, that is the 10th of January. That's Friday this week is the deadline to transfer your ticket to another party. After that point in time, there is nothing you can do to get, you know, your money back or, or whatever, right? That, that, that is the cutoff. Um, and sometimes people get bent out of shape. Please bear in mind, we are by far the most permissive major event in regards to ticket refunds, uh, to transferring tickets. Many events don't let you do that. They're non-transferable, non-refundable. That's very common. Or it's you know much, much more strict. So uh, before you send me an angry email about your hamster needing a lung transplant and you need your money back, uh, please bear in mind that our our policy is very permissive and it's put in place to protect both parties. Last year, um, we were allowing, allowing people to get ticket refunds up until two weeks before the event. Everyone procrastinated and we had to cough up like a, like 15 grand or something right before the event in refunds and it dang near sunk our ship. It was very bad for us. So we put the policy in place to protect you and to protect us. Um, and I, I, I say that just so that everybody understands why we do it uh, in the first place. Uh, let's talk about some other cool LVO stuff because obviously that's going to be on everyone's mind uh, right now. Let's talk about what to expect. So first of all, a, a uh, a rhino with chapped lips and chafing skin is an unhappy rhino. So be like Pablo and bring your chapstick and your lotion so that you can stay uh, loose as a goose, highly uh, lubricated, drink lots of water. Radiant as a rhino? Because it is a desert. It is very dry. And if you're coming from anywhere that is not as dry, which is almost all of you, your skin and your lips are going to be like crying out in pain. It's always funny when you see the person who's got the bright red lips because they came from like, especially the English guys, it happens all the time where it's, you know, very, uh, the, the moisture levels are a lot higher and they hit the desert and I'm like, make sure you put on your chapstick. And then they look like the Joker after about three days. So uh, do yourself a favor, drink water, Bring your chapstick, bring your lotion. It'll make you a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Any other tips, like just general stuff like that, Pablo, that you have to tell Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, make sure if you haven't been to Las Vegas, uh, make sure to get in as early as you can and get your bearings. Uh, take Walk around the casino real quick. Even if you don't gamble, uh, just get a feel for where the convention hall is um, because the if you wake up Friday morning after arriving late Thursday night, and you didn't take that chance to walk around the casino and get your bearings, you could be one of those poor souls who wanders around the casino at the last minute carrying their army, uh, asking anyone anyone who looks mildly nerdy uh, where the LVO is, uh, and you might miss your event that you signed up for or the festivities. So that's one thing I see all the time. Um, normally I'm actually out on the casino floor uh, just kind of helping stragglers uh, as I, I'm, I'm on my way to the, the hall. 
Uh, this time that won't be the case. Uh, I will have to be there bright and early to help forward the registration while Reese and Frankie get primped up for the LVO, for the stream. Um, but yeah, every year I always see people get lost wondering where the LVO is. And just uh, if you're unfamiliar, uh, get a buddy, uh, do yourself a favor, walk around, look, locate where the bathrooms are, uh, where the food is, kind of just you know plan ahead on that regard. Yeah, uh, navigating the casinos can be a little a little confusing because there's you know a lot going on. Um, but the first, I mean, was, when you do it once, it's easy. After that, I can find my way through it with my eyes closed now. But the first time, it is it's a little a little confusing. So just make sure you're prepared. Again, you don't want to be trying to do it all at the last minute because then you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Get your bearings. That's a great uh, piece of advice. Make sure you bring some spending cash or just bring your card. There's all kinds of amazing vendors uh, in the vendor hall at the LVO. Uh, you can go check out the blog post, frontlinegaming.org, and you can see a list of the vendors that are going to be there uh, selling their wares, all kinds of cool stuff. Forge World, uh, that's always a really popular one, but there's a ton, ton of vendors. Uh, we will have a bar, of course, so you can get some adult beverages, Ooh. and uh, there'll be food there. And bear in mind, again, every year, this is always comes as a surprise to some people, the hotel policy is that there are no outside food and beverages inside the convention hall. That includes uh, if you bought a beer or a soda at, you know, out on the casino floor, you actually cannot bring it into the convention space. They're two different, they're essentially two different businesses within the umbrella of the casino. So it always catches people off guard. You can't bring stuff that you didn't buy inside the convention space into the convention space when it, comes to food and beverage yes you you cannot and it's a weird policy but um it, they're very very strict they're about very it strict about it so it is what it is um and it, it this wouldn't even be an issue if the convention hall wasn't attached to the casino right because uh, for the most part you can't bring out you're not supposed to bring outside food and beverages into any convention hall because they have concessions and they want you to buy it there uh so just be aware of that and um yeah make sure you know where you're going and all that, uh, all that good stuff so that you can have focus on having fun and not be stressed out. Uh, we had a gentleman actually had a, a medical um, uh, scare last time because, you know, he got in late, not his fault. Um, and he was running around trying to find where he was going, didn't drink enough water. And he had a little bit of a scare. He was fine, thankfully. But um, we want people to avoid that sort of a, a scenario. Uh, just have fun. Focus on having a good time. Uh, also, if you're playing in Age of Sigmar, Warhammer 40K, Make sure that your army meets the appearance standards. They are different this year. You do not want to have a, an unpleasant surprise if you're getting models pulled off the table because you didn't follow the appearance standards. Uh, that is posted up on the ticket itself. You can go click on that, and it, you can get find a link for the guidelines. You can just Google search it. Um, make sure that you're up to up to par. Uh, make sure your army is painted to a, a battle-ready three-color standard. Make sure it's um, uh, following our non-borrow hammer guidelines. Uh, you, you don't want to get caught off guard with that. That would be a real bummer. Yeah, and uh, speaking of appearance standards, the uh, LVO judges, Salty John, uh, put out uh, kind of a judge memo for everyone attending the Las Vegas Open that I thought was was pretty useful where he explained um, exactly what the appearance standards were, explained the rubber bands um, <laughs> situation, uh, and also new rules changes talked about senior judges versus normal judges now so now we have a judge appeal process um it, it's it you know i thought it was pretty cool and um 
if you're attending the Las Vegas Open, I highly recommend watching that video. It's on TFG Radio uh, on YouTube or TFG Radio on the podcast, the website. It's on Frontline Gaming as well. It's also on Frontline Gaming as well. Yeah, and it, just to be, get the heads up, if you're trying to use the judge appeal process abusively, um, you're going to get slapped with a yellow card. It's not there because you didn't get your way. Um, so just be aware of that. But it's there to help alleviate some of the stickier rules issues that can come up. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, this has also been brought to our attention um, because we do use chess clocks uh, for day two. If they're mandatory day two in 40K, if you have a winning record, um, make sure to bring your own chess clock if you want to be guaranteed to have access to one. Otherwise, you might have to use an app on your phone or something like that. Uh, and then day one or throughout the event, if either player wants to use a chess clock, you do use it. Um, it. It doesn't matter if one player doesn't want to. And that's just to avoid people not getting to finish their game. Um, if you are trying to use some sort of a tactic, like asking your opponent a million rules questions, insisting they look it up on their turn, um, that does violate the code of conduct. Uh, it has been brought to our attention that this occurred at a couple of events in the Midwest recently. Um, we are aware of anybody that has been using tactics like this. The judges are going to be looking out for it. 99.9% uh, it, of the people playing the game, this will not come up. But if you do find someone trying to do some sort of an underhanded tactic like that, trying to get you to burn your clock, call a judge, and that player will likely get carded um, or just hand it over to them. Be like, yeah, sure, we can look it up, but we'll, we'll do it on your time, not mine. So just be aware that that's not something that's going to be tolerated. Um, but in all likelihood, for the vast majority of games, it will not even come up. Yeah, and, and uh, however you want to handle it, uh, fisticuffs in the parking lot, <laughs> judge calls, so, yeah, putting so it on Cal their time, style. good play, good, good solid play, cheating yourself. The only wrong way to handle it is to hop online on our comment section and complain At, about the event after, after the, the event. event. Yes. This guy was doing something I didn't like, and I didn't say anything about it at the event. I didn't tell the judge. I didn't utilize any of the systems put in place to help me avoid a negative experience. But then I'm going to bitch and moan about it yeah. on Reddit afterwards. That's yeah. not the way you handle a it. Every year we get someone. So oh, yeah. I know it's going to happen this year. But I'm like, you know what? This, this It's a new year. It's time for a new you. You're going to stop with the passive aggressive. <laughs> and you're going to become a new assertive person. It's going to change your mm. life. You're going to get a promotion at work. You're going to get grow two inches. You're going to finally get into the gym. You're going to follow through on that New Year's resolution, which most of us fall short of. It's going to be great. It's going to start at the LVO when you decide not to be passive aggressive about something. I think some people just turned off the podcast. Just, <laughs> just... <laughs> They're like, self-improvement? I don't want that. <laughs> I just want to complain about everything because that's Anyways, easier. Uh, we're a little salty because it's it's something that happens every day. Oh, I always say part of the hobby is complaining about the hobby. I, I yep. don't even let it bother me anymore. It's just I like I like to hold we like to hold a mirror up to it once in a while so people can realize how ridiculous they are. Uh, but uh, for the, like I said, for the most part, the vast majority of games are absolutely pleasant and wonderful and fun, and it's it, it is so amazing to walk into that hall either either one of the grand halls all of the halls really are impressive but the two main halls yeah and to see the magnitude of it it's astounding and all those people coming together to enjoy a hobby that we love to play games 
from all around the world and have a great time. It's really special. It's something neat. And really, it's one of the things that, that I'm the most proud of that we've ever done. Um, it started as a dream way, way, way back in the day. And, and look where we are. It's, it's amazing. So thank you to everybody that's coming because we wouldn't be able to do it without you. Yeah. Uh, speaking of other games around the world, Age of Sigmar Champs is now at over 200 registered players, uh, which is huge. great. It's huge. Like, that puts us as one of the biggest Age of Sigmar events in the world. Mm-hmm. And when our first Age of Sigmar event uh, two years ago was only 100 players. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Age of Sigmar is... It, it, it's, it, I'm not it, saying it's, it's three it was years, it was three years, three years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, it was the but Age of Sigmar is I'm I'm, I'm not saying that Age of Sigmar is worse than 40k uh, by any means, but uh, we are in the danger zone. Statistically, um, it 40k is more played than Age of Sigmar. It, 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 I think it's just factual at this point. Well, that's not but, that's not a condemnation. That's not a value judgment. It's just right. Not. It's just it's just a fact. And so for Age of Sigmar events, getting over 100 players or 200 players, um, that's big. That's, you know, comparatively to the thousand person 40 gate champs, obviously it's not that big. And I think some TOs kind of put Age of Sigmar by the wayside um, at their events because of that, because 40k does draw in more people. Um, but 200 people for Age of Sigmar is big for the game. And I think that's actually big for GW in general and, and our hobby because you get more people to play this alternative to 40k um, or maybe even take a break. And multiple formats is good for a game as uh, Magic can attest. Yeah, I uh, I echo everything you're saying. I agree with you 100%. And you know what's funny? I didn't even real this didn't even dawn on me until right when you said that. Um, so the 40k champs, obviously, we got we 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 got over actually 1024, and I think with transfers and drops and that, et cetera, et cetera, we're gonna be right at just about a thousand and like four or something like that. Yeah. But all the data that I have, all the research I've done on what the market cap for uh, Games Workshop games is, because obviously it's our business to know how many people are playing this game. And my, the data I have is I'm, in no world am I going to stand behind it and say this is absolutely accurate. But the, from what I've learned through this career, um, what I've been able to tell is that there are roughly five times as many people playing 40K as Age of Sigmar. Yeah. And, but look at the ratio of people at the, at the LVO. Yeah, it's exactly to five thousand. to one. Yeah. That's, that's funny. And it just it can it just reaffirms again what I already thought to be the case um, that there's about five 40k players for every one Age of Sigmar player. Yeah, and and whether I don't know if that ratio obviously that number you know something that Reese came up with based off his experiences and data. Well, it's yeah, uh, data but, gathering. Yeah, da- data gathering. But there, if you even look at like the community pages, uh, the Facebook groups, um, all you know, all the stuff, the the forums and whatnot. The numbers for Age of Sigmar just are less than 40k. But you know, um, but sometimes you know, by a five to one ratio, sometimes not. You know what's really impressive though is that Age of Sigmar is a really new game. It's it only a couple years old, and it came out to a really bad start. Yeah, well, that's why it's a new game, Reese. They detonated their fan base and had to get a new fan base. But the, to to see that it, it is as big as it is in such a short period of time is actually a testament to how good the game is. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and I I think a lot of a lot of it is the models are so 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 gorgeous. Uh, I I think um when I when I look in the Age of Sigmar group, I, the conversations are a lot more hobby focused than the 40k groups. Not to say that the 40k groups are not hobby focused. Um, but for Age of Sigmar, um, 
it, it just feels like that's where some of the best best paint jobs I've seen. That's the most consistently painted, well painted armies at tournaments. It just it feels more of a hobbyist's game than than 40k does. Not saying that 40k isn't, but it's just kind of my own personal perception. Well, let's put it this way, Pablo. In one of the two games, we had to put in rules that said you have to paint your army to look like an army. And in the other game, we don't have to do that. Ooh, that's a good point. <laughs> and in one of the games, people complained about it. And in the other game, people just assumed that that's the way you're supposed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really funny, though, about our uh, the policy that we rolled out that was basically your army has to look like an army, which is so dumb that we even have to say that. Because it's like so, like a child would tell you that that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, some people that initially were like, oh, what, you know, they were opposed to it for various reasons. I've had numerous people write in and go, you know what? We've applied this in our local community and the only people that have gotten upset have been the power gamers. <laughs> and they're like, it's forcing them to kind of like settle into an army. Like you can't chase the meta dragon as much. And a lot of people that were initially like, oh, I think this is too restrictive have reverse course after using it and said that they really like it. That's not to say that it's all rainbows and sunshine. And of course, if you're, if in your area, it doesn't make sense. Like our buddy, Jose, who, who's out here helping us with terrain, emperor bless his soul. He said he was talking about in his local, one of his local groups in Iowa. And there it's a group that for whatever reason, doesn't like to paint that much. And they were like, Oh, we hate this. And I, he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, that was the reaction that we got. And I was like, that's fine. If in their group, if it gets people playing and you get more people playing the game more frequently to not have painting standards, I don't think that, I think they'd enjoy it more if they actually did. But if that's not what they want to do, then by all means, the first rule of the ITC is and has always been, use it as a starting point, change yep. things if you want to. Yep. So if in that group in Iowa or, or whatever the case may be, uh, people just don't like the hobby for whatever reason, although it is quite a bit of fun and rewarding. Yeah. Some of us. Some I don't of, like. I don't like poking myself with with exacto blades and getting glue stuck to my fingers, or oral painting. Wimp. I know. <laughs> but if, if you, like it, it's local, right? If your local group likes to play with unpainted models, then that's what you do. Like that's fine, right? Or if you like, I always tell people like you don't have to to dogmatically follow everything. It's a great starting point and it works really well right out of the box because it's been tested so many times by so many people. But if in your area they're like, we'd like to wear tutus and put a slice of pizza on our head when we play 40K, well, by all means, do, do that. Sign me up. <laughs> so do what, do what is going to be most successful for your local area. That, that's, that's, that's obviously what's logical, right? But if you have you know, controversy, you can always just aim back the rules and go, we're just going to follow the rules. And that works really well too. Yeah, and... Another thing is is the the larger majors, the ones that get streamed, uh, do have these these higher paint standards for for good reasons. Yeah. Um, so nobody, nobody wants to see unpainted, three D printed Caladius tanks winning an event. No. That is not going to grow the hobby. Even that I. That is going to shrink the hobby. Yeah. Uh, On unpainted terrain, again, I, I hate to keep slamming that individual incident, but. That is like the penultimate example of it. Uh, but yeah, the, the reason why I bring that up is that there there is a difference between uh, local RTTs, local leagues that do use ITC rules and missions, uh, and the big super majors like Nova, the Las Vegas Open, Adepticon. LGT. Yeah, uh, the, it's just 
those super majors have different standards. Um, and so you don't always want to hold yourself to those standards if that's not what your expectation is. If your expectation is to have a 20-person RTT once every three months or a league or something smaller, um, that's fine too. That's perfectly okay. You're still growing your community. Um, but I think sometimes people like to compare their events to those big super majors um, when they don't need to. Yeah, they're not, they're really, they really are um, apples and oranges or maybe not apples and oranges, but like big apple, apples little and bigger apple. Apple. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's really different. Like for us, for example, like GW is uh, in Nova and, 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 and Adepticon too. GW flies out staff. They fly out equipment to stream it. And that is very expensive to do. And there's certain uh, standards that you have to meet. We, we would do it on our own anyway, right? Like we want to put the hobby in the best possible light in front of as many people as possible. That's been our goal since day one. And we've, we've always walked the walk on this and that's, so we would do it no matter what, but when you get GW involved too, which allows you to reach more people to grow the hobby, to be better ambassadors of the hobby, to do everything really just on a more professional and better level, there, there's certain concessions or, or, or minimum standards that have to be met. Yep. Right. Like if we really do want this to go pro in some way, shape or form, and I know that's a very controversial statement. Some people hear that and they think it's bad. Some people hear it and they think it's amazing. But if we if we want it to become a spectator-friendly um, pastime, right, whether that's pro or not, whatever, who cares? Let's not get hung up on that word. It needs to look amazing. If it doesn't, it will never, ever happen. And whether you love it or hate it, that idea, if it does happen, which I think it's inevitable, I think it's going to happen regardless at this stage, the, the, the train has too much momentum. Uh, it's going to grow the hobby. We're, we're going to get more people playing the game. It's going to make your investment in your models safer because the future of the game is going to be protected. It's going to get more kids playing the game. It's only positive, right? You'll get, you know, bigger events, more events. You know, the game stores will be healthier. It's it's only a good thing to yeah. do this. And yeah. it, it takes effort. I mean, look what it did for video games. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Now they're, they've exploded. Yeah, and a lot of people make the argument of like, oh, it'll ruin it if there's pros. Do you still play Call of Duty? You probably do, even though there's pros that play it. It just means when you log into a server, there is going to be more people there to play with than if you did if they didn't have the attention that it gets. So interesting to hear people's thoughts on that. It's always an interesting debate, although I think it's somewhat of a moot debate because it's going to happen regardless of uh, a lot of people's personal feelings, my own included. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see what shape it takes. Yeah. All right, we'll have to hang in there and watch. But uh, on that, a good segue, uh, streaming for tabletop has its challenges. It doesn't always get a ton of eyeballs. Um, most events are in the hundreds of views. A couple events break up into a 1,000, maybe even two or 3,000 on occasion. But uh, the LVO finals last year, the LVO stream for 40K last year, had over 100,000 unique viewers and 13,000 concurrent during the championship nuts. game, which is nuts yeah. for what we do. You know, the average GT is going to get two, 300 right. uh, concurrent viewers. Concurrent means tuned in at one point in time. Yeah, and and just, just so we're clear that th those numbers aren't groundbreaking video game numbers. No. However, for a tabletop game, even uh, Magic GPs uh, don't always hit those numbers, uh, especially some of the smaller ones. 
Uh, and these are, you know, 200, 300 person magic events. Uh, so th it's a big number by our standard tabletop standards. It's a, uh, it a is, good it is the number for a tabletop, especially for miniatures. Nothing has even come close yes. to that. And what a game, my gosh, that championship game. You could not have scripted a more exciting way to finish it up. It was for all the marbles to win the LVO, to win the ITC. You have uh, a somewhat controversial figure uh, in Alex, great player, a really, really good player. You have an amazing uh, player with Brandon, and it would God, what a what an amazing story that it told all on its own. Yeah, absolutely. And it came down to the last roll of the dice the year before again. Uh, Nick Nonavati uh, versus Tony Grapondo. <laughs> Tony, a little bit of a controversial figure, personal friend of mine, a guy I like quite a bit. Um, Nick also. The, the 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 cowboy of 40k the brown magic himself <laughs> and again what a dramatic finish i'm 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 almost nervous that we can't do it again this year uh because how do you top those two well let me tell you how you top those two reese first off you get a dream you slap together the best 40k coverage crew in my opinion in the falcon and val heffelfinger and the paul murphy and Adam Camilleri from Down Under. Get all of them together and you live stream, live cover the event uh, at the LVO. And then you also bring a thousand people, some of them being the best 40K players in the world. Almost all of the best 40K players are going to be there. Uh, and I think you have a recipe for a great event. And if you want to hear my thoughts on it and actually Brandon Grant's and Val's thoughts on it and Scary's as well, uh, we talked about it on Chapter Tactics uh, at the beginning of the month, the LVO Hype episode where we talk about some of the overarching narratives that are surrounding the Las Vegas Open, some of the predictions that we expect to see, um, you know, player matchups that we like, cool, interesting tidbits, the coverage, how that's going to go. Uh, it's a really good episode if you're interested in consuming the LVO coverage as entertainment. So why don't you talk a little bit about what Val and the Falcon are going to be doing yeah. Uh, because uh, Signals listeners might not know the very cool project that they're going to be uh, rolling out for the LBO. Yeah, so uh, Val, Val and Peter are going to uh, not hijack, but they're they're going to take some of the Frontline Gaming stream equipment, I think, or bring their own stream equipment. Basically, they're going to get a ton of stream equipment together, uh, and they're going to have talking heads that are going to be commenting on the Las Vegas Open itself, uh, as well as the streams, tables, um, and then they're going to have ground floor reporters who are going to be bringing them news from the tables, uh, key matchups, drama, who's playing who, rulings, uh, answering questions, showcasing armies, talking about army lists, army list reviews, they're called list techs, um, on the spot live list techs, interviews, and uh, so, anything else Val and Peter can think of. Uh, they're going to have two commentators in Paul Murphy and Adam Camilleri along with Peter hopping in there as well too who's also butted into a really good commentator as well uh, if you've been following 40k Twitch streams this year and it's, it's exciting um, we're looking to get them a couple more volunteers uh, some equipment and then uh, hopefully you know we pull off something that we've never had before which is a fully covered 36 hour weekend of a super major um, something like the Super Bowl so yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So for coverage, obviously Games Workshop is going to be covering the you know top tables, mm -hmm. so to speak. They're going to be the main event. 
Yes. Uh, so when you, if you're tuning in to watch, what you're going to want to do is you're going to watch that and you're going to want to have another tab, another browser open to tune into Val and Peter uh, and co who are going to be uh, doing like a supplementary stream, giving us a look like obviously the top table can only be the top table, but there's so much other stuff going on. Yeah. They're going to be zeroing in on hot matchups uh, somewhat like, Oh wow. Someone's four and with gray Knights. Let's go take a look at what's going on over there. And it's going to be a nice supplement to the main show, which is going to be games workshop. And then there, that's going to give you a whole nother view of what's going on at the LVO 40 K scene. Uh, in addition to that on frontline gaming stream, as we have done in the past, we're going to be streaming age of Sigmar. So you're going to be able to see the entire age of Sigmar event uh, coverage there. If you're an AOS fan, you're going to want to tune into that. We're going to have the very lovely and talented John Fearholm and Garrett uh, Mulroney. Uh, they are of the uh, Wide World of Wargaming podcast, and they're going to be giving us coverage on that end, and that's going to be a lot of fun as well. So really, you're going to have more, in, I dare to say better, more, at least more in-depth and broad coverage of this event than, than ever done before in what we're doing speaking of broad coverage there's an entire new group of players that we're, we want to welcome to the las vegas open who are bringing their own streams their own coverage their own communities and that is the fantasy flight games uh tournaments that we're having this year at the las vegas open which have gone ham this crazy year. so so we have we have 300 unique x-wing players scheduled across two x-wing heats which i'll explain a little bit um for the x-wing championship we have over 128 star wars legion players uh, we have more armada imperial assault destiny star wars destiny and legend of the five rings players than we've ever had in history uh, at the lvo anyways um, they're all grand tournament events. Yeah, they're all grand championship events. Yeah, that's and it. So, and so what that means is uh, Fantasy Flight Games is going to be providing some amazing exclusive prize support that you can only win at these grand championship events. Things like top eight dice, which are highly coveted in X-Wing uh, as status dice, as well as um, just cool swag to have uh exclusive alternate art there's going to be prize giveaways for the x-wing event uh we have an exclusive las vegas open mat uh that's x-wing mat that's only going to be sold or obtained at the las vegas open uh i think i'm, I'm not sure what the exact details are there too but it's an exclusive map for the las vegas open that we printed just for this year uh and it's the uh canto bite which is the gambling planet on uh the last jedi which you know as dumb as that scene was it's very fitting for yes, this for what absolutely it's a beautiful beautiful of art is. done by uh, mr ryan farmer who is the one of the co-hosts on the fly better podcast who are the guys who are spearheading the x-wing grand championships at the las vegas open uh so i highly recommend checking them out uh they're they've been a fixture in the socal community for years um they're they're d and ryan are two very talented guys who are passionate about at the x-wing community and i'm i'm very glad we got them on board to help us run the x-wing events um at the las vegas open me as well and uh, pablo big pat on the back for you for helping coordinate um the ffg really astonishing growth that we've had um just so many more people coming for those games really excited obviously we all some of the old standbys war machine and hordes those of you out there please buy your tickets sooner you guys always wait to the last minute it's funny, I was talking to the Nova admin staff, and they're like, they do the same thing to us. I was like, it's so annoying. 
Um, we love having you, of course, but please buy your tickets sooner. Uh, we have a, a very large Infinity event, one of the bigger in North America, uh, run by our good friend Joel. And uh, Flames of War and Team Yankee have grown really steadily over the years from like three people the first time to now over 40 uh, for Flames of War and Team Yankees in the 30s. Uh, bolt Action, we have a very good uh, Bolt Action event. A Warlord Games helps run that. There's just so much to do on this podcast. We typically focus on the Games Workshop events, more 40K really even um, uh, than anything else because that's just sort of uh, where our roots are. But there is so much more going on. A million hobby classes. Come and t- take a class with Chris Peach uh, from Games Workshop of their stream fame. Uh, you get to keep the miniatures that you paint with as a part of your uh, admission. There's a, a daytime social events with the spouses. Uh, my sister leads that. It's a ton of fun. Um, mostly wives and girlfriends, but anybody can go, of course. And they go do fun stuff like go to M- Madame Tussauds, get, you know, Manny Petties sometimes. They go mm-hmm. get some champagne brunch. It's really fun for people who are not gamers but do want to come. And the list goes on and on and on. The Demo Zone is stacked with all kinds of fun one-off games. You can play Pathfinder, D&D. Uh, you can play some impromptu pickup magic if you wanted to. There's going to be Zone Mortalis, Adeptus Titanicus. You can play Malifaux. Speaking of magic. Fun. Spe- speaking of magic, uh, we, we had Wizards of the Coast announce earlier in the year last year uh, that they were planning on expanding to third-party um, people to hosting their grand championship or their magic fests uh, beyond just Channel Fireball. Um, and so I'm not saying that we're, we're going to be hosting a, a magic fest, although that would be really cool, the Las Vegas. What that does mean is basically with the advent of these fantasy flight games coming in, all this growth um, that the Las Vegas Open is experiencing, you know, I, I'm trying going to try my best in a couple years to try and bring more events like magic the gathering like any other games that you might be interested in playing any games that pop up in the future maybe even esports stuff who knows the the possibilities are endless um just because we've, we're expanding so much and we have all this room and, and all this reach now uh so if you're interested in any of that stuff you can always email us you know give us ideas feedback um if you're interested in running an event at the las vegas open we're always open to improving bringing a new event bringing some new people in uh to grow in the las vegas open community and uh, i'm really excited to see where 2021 and beyond brings yeah and, and i'm so excited as well and one of the really cool things about doing business in vegas it's very hard to do business in vegas there's a reason why cons there come and go like the, the changing of the seasons you don't usually see them last for more than a year or two uh typically speaking because it is so expensive to do business there. Um, but if you can navigate the choppy waters of, of doing business there and you can make it work, um, there is almost unlimited room for growth. Whereas a lot of cons that are successful cap out because they physically can't fit more people. That's a very common problem. Uh, one of the unique advantages we have of now being locals, we can call ourselves yeah. <laughs> Vegas locals now, is that we there are there are halls on the strip that are bigger than all of Comic Con. Yeah, like on like on in the, the building. Strip. Yeah. So we what the, the sky is the limit for what this could become. 
or maybe, you know, who knows where, what the future holds. So if you do have an idea, you want, um, you know, to see an event there, let us know and we can start planning for it for the future. But for the present, get hyped for the biggest 40K event in the history of mankind. I'm gonna put up a little article, Pablo, it's fun because when you bought your ticket, you had to register what army you thought you were going to use. It's not oh. binding, it's not binding, obviously. Uh, but we do, we do it for just data collection purposes. I'm going to put up a little bit of a, this is what people said they were bringing versus what people actually brought. And I wonder how many people jump ship the Space Marines. So as a quick, as a quick <laughs> teaser, can I tell the everyone how many Space Marine players there were before the Space Marine Codex? Go ahead. There's 140 Space Marine players registered for the Las Vegas Open. a thousand and change. Uh, before the Space Marine Codex dropped. And then, but the thing is, we we did have some tickets go, This the event is sold out, by the way. Yes. Uh, but we did have a couple tickets come up for sale. Um, and so then there were people that bought tickets because, you know, people got a ticket refunded or they couldn't come or whatever. That always, It always happens. There's always a second surge of ticket sales closer to the event when we've, you know, processed refunds. It always happens. So some of the data reflects the current but the event sold out in one day in yes, the beginning, in June. right? So it's going to be really curious to see how many people are, are actually show up with Space Marines. And there's a lot. We, just a quick cursory glance, uh, picking out names that I was familiar with. I counted easily. I lost track. I think of like 50 people that I knew were bringing Space Marines or who had been playing Space Marines um, who didn't have Space Marines listed as their faction. Just like yeah. as a quick little thing, like a PD Pob look. Yeah, the, the, we've been seeing the trend has been about a quarter of the field has been Space Marines. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't doubt that that will be the case the LVO. My prediction, as it was at SoCal Open, I predict that in the top eight, it will be four Space Marine players and four other. Um, what I could be wrong, and the reason why I could be wrong is that the very tip of the spear best players in the game have realized that Tau have Space Marines number at least at the in that very small circle. There's Tau players out there that are right now going, you don't know what you're talking about. Space Marines kick my ass. But if you look at the best players, uh, like the Richard Siegler, the Brian Poland, the top Tau players, they are consistently beating Space Marines, being piloted by the best players, right? They just seem to have the right combo of abilities to, to, to make it happen. And there's been some Eldari magic. I don't know if the FAQ Ooh. addressed this or not. Good. Because I've been... I, I moved, in the move, I didn't have a chance to go and double check, but there's been some Eldari magic that has been coming out with, um, no, their FAQ already came out. They're safe. Where there's some gnarly tricks you can so do. So I actually have a bonus episode of Chapter Tactics that I recorded yesterday uh, with Mr. Colin Sherman and Mr. Jim Vessel. Uh, and they talk about their both their respective super factions that they're bringing to the LBO, which is Chaos and Eldar. And Colin boldly said on that podcast that, Eldar, if Space Marines were to get nerfed into the ground tomorrow, we would have just as big of a problem with Eldar as we do with Space Marines now, uh, meaning that Eldar right now are very powerful, and he's supremely confident that he can beat Space Marine players, uh, or at least go 50-50 with the best Space Marine players, uh, and absolutely destroy Tau lists and Tau players. Yeah. So there's already some, I don't want to say pushback, but some like rollback from Space Marines, there's already meta changes, and, and the, there's also random lists that Colin is absolutely terrified to play against um, because of Eldar like that, which is great. That's the kind of give and take, rock, paper, scissors meta that we want. 
Um, so we're already seeing a bit of a retraction. Uh, the top players are already adjusting to Space Marines. And although Imperial Fists and Iron Hands are still the top dogs, uh, maybe even Castell Castellan levels of top dogs, uh, their top players are already adjusting. Uh, Chaos is, are being widely regarded as uh, an underdog or dark horse super faction. There's so many different Chaos lists that do so many different things, and they and they beat Space Marines so well, just just naturally. Dude, just the Night Lords alone. Yeah. yeah. Just you just turn off auras. Wah wah wah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And there's also a contingent or cadre of dedicated Chaos players um, who design random lists that you won't expect uh you've got like the don Husons, the tj lanigans the jim vessels of the world who who will take the stuff from the faith and fury book and come up with a list that we've probably never seen before um so what we did on chapter tactics reese now i'll ask you the same question for top eight predictions is um top eight factions for the lvo predictions and then one player you had the bet on to make the top eight uh, I gladly take that challenge and, and not, I don't want to take any, anything away from your bonus episode, but if you're an Eldar player out there, tune in. I'm sure you guys talk about the combo that basically beats Tau where you can, with one Eldar unit can tank all three Riptides shooting. Uh, Colin didn't talk about that. Um, <laughs> he, it, doesn't at length. Reveal, he doesn't want to reveal his tech. <laughs> he, if you actually, if so, kudos to him. I actually meant to talk about this earlier. Uh, they just had charity hammer, which happened this past weekend, the yeah. weekend of the fifth to the, or the third to the fifth, something like that. Uh, in January, and they they pulled a thousand people watching concurrently on a stream, which is enormous. No, they had actually three thousand at 3, one point, and we want to give a huge thank you to Twitch. Twitch actually put them on front page. Absolutely, they were trending at a couple hundred, which is totally normal. But then they 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 got that front page, which is very difficult to get. And uh, uh, thank you to Twitch. We thank you to a very special certain someone at Twitch Ooh. who is our friend. And and help make that happen, but yeah. huge ups to Charity Hammer. That's huge. Yeah, and they raised fourteen thousand yeah. dollars for charity for Kids Play, uh, which is a charity that help brings uh, games to kids in children's hospitals, which is which is so 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 cool. Um, and I believe they've already sent out the check uh, today to to the charity. So that's that's really cool. Um, so special shout out to Best in Faction Podcast as well, which are uh, awesome dudes and Mitch is one of the judges yeah good we're all, awesome we're all... guy but uh so i don't know i feel like kind of the people listening are be like so what's the combo um mm. oh he'll call him if you watch charity hammer i guarantee you heard some tidbits of it if not you can go live all of their videos will be on youtube uh, as well as you can watch them re-watch them live on twitch as well i guarantee you you you'll get the information you seek um although i don't know where uh, in so, there in that you know massive what? stream i won't i won't steal anybody's thunder but um their their faith and fury came out with kind of like a eh, like the eldar community was like eh, but there is some magic in there if you dig that 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 is the resurgence it's all based on the things you can pull uh out of the plus about rise of the phoenix right now oh yeah my bad thank yeah. you for correcting me um uh, and then, of course, Chapter Proved was very generous mm -hmm. to Eldar. Yep. So I, I, um, to answer your original question, we jumped into the weeds there, but we're coming back like a, like a tiger stalking through the grass. <laughs> so I, uh, I have to say uh, my man, Richard Siegler, because he is just red hot mm. right now. I will predict Richard makes it. He's such a clinically talented player. He's such a nice guy. He's a gentleman. I always like to back people that not only are – uh, you know, obviously incredibly good play. He's only been playing for a year, which is astounding. 
That's mind-boggling. And uh, but he's also a good representative of the hobby, right? Like Brandon. Like yeah. I was so happy to see Brandon win because not only is he an exceptional player, not only is is he a, a, just a generally good guy, um, but he, he's an exemplar of the hobby. He's a, a moral person, and uh, Richard is very he strikes me as a very similar kind of guy. So if you ever want to see someone win, you want to see you want to see a good guy like that win. So I, I'm going to pick Richard to make it because he's just he's riding high, he's focused, he's practicing. I've been chatting with him. He and Nick are are uh, Nick Donavati have been really focused. Um, Nick's also probably one of the ones you got to watch to get in there. Um, so I'm going to say Richard, which of course would say that Tao mm. is in there. Um, Brian Poland has been on fire. He won the SoCal Open. Every he went six and zero, obviously to win. Every person he beat only lost to him. He played all people that only lost one game. That's insane. Oh yeah, he had one of the highest strength of schedules. He's at the SoCal highest strength of schedule I've ever seen in a six round event ever. Yeah. Every single person went five and one. One guy went four, one and one. That's nuts. That means you like basically you beat the the other five best players at the event. So I would predict that Brian gets in there, a dedicated towel player. Um, and then, you know, there's a plethora of talented people bringing space marines. You know, Manny Chima coming over from the UK. He's been playing Imperial Fist and crushing people uh, with that army. You got to count him as, as one of the uh, uh, top picks. Uh, Steve Pamprine has been doing really well. He's got that nasty, nasty Raven Guard combo. Yep. Uh, Ruben Fernandez, John Lennon, both playing Space Marines. They've been doing really well. Yeah, that, that team, I think Team Bro Hammered, Hammered yeah. That, that team in general is, is Come out of nowhere, too. Yeah, done well. They have, a, they have a podcast, too. I think it's called the Florida Man Podcast. Yep, the Florida Man Podcast. <laughs> They're based in Florida as well, which is obviously why that's funny. Um, you know, there's so, so many good players. Some of the U.K., We've got some amazing players coming from Australia, uh, Northern Europe. It's going to be really interesting to see, but I, I, I believe we're going to see two or three Iron Hands, uh, the inverse of that, minus four for Imperial Fist. Uh, no, that's actually not true. I'm going to say one one or two Iron Hands, one Imperial Fist, like one Raven Guard, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're going to see Tau, uh, Eldar, Chaos, and then another fill-in-the-blank of one of those three, or Astra Militarum with Brandon Grant. Because he also has figured out how to beat Space Marines consistently with his pure guard. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, you you actually almost named the top eight players and faction. It'd be interesting <laughs> to see how um how that prediction unfolds. Uh, I I think uh, I think I'm in agreement with you. A lot everyone I talk to is either four or five Space Marines. I think five Space Marine lists will make the top eight. Uh, I think two will be absolutely 100% identical, run by two people from the same region or the same team. Uh, that's something that we're seeing trending a lot in 40k uh, lately this year is uh, teammates who bring basically the same identical list. Uh, and I think that in the top eight, we'll, we'll see two identical Space Marine lists, probably Iron Hands lists. Uh, we'll probably see another Imperial Fist list uh, and another Iron Hands or Imperial Fist list. And I think we'll also see one off-the-wall Space Marine list as that fifth one that no one kind of expects. And I think it'll be the dude who makes the top eight who had no idea the inevitable dark horse yeah the one guy who just 
oh, how did I get how here? How did I get you just like stars in his eyes? He's yeah. like, well, I don't know. Every year there's one random person who then becomes a, a known player because yeah. they're obviously very good. Yeah, yeah. They're, but um, that's like their debut to the stage. Yeah, so I think a fifth person will be he'll you know, he'll dust it off his salamanders or the LVO will be his first major competitive event. Something weird like that uh, as a fifth Space Marine player because there's just there's so many players like that. I think statistically one of them will make the top eight. And then for the last three, uh, I think we'll see a Tau player, an Eldar player, and a Chaos player. Um, and then for my guaranteed top eight player, if I had to pick one, be Sean Naden. Um, someone who... Because he's made it every single year. And, and here's the weird thing, right, is he... He hasn't made a huge splash this year uh, beyond the ETC and beyond some some really obviously is still doing really well. Um, but by Sean Naden Sanders hasn't made a huge splash this year, and I would even also call him a dark horse. If you hear all these people talking about top eight predictions, players in the top eight, Sean Naden isn't really being mentioned a lot. Um, and also on top of that, Eldar and his kind of army weren't in a great spot in the beginning of the year, you know, it was all Tau, all Chaos, uh, the Caladius grab tanks in the beginning of the first half of the year. Uh, so it, it's, it almost feels like he's a dark horse, um, but I, I would never, ever count him out to make the top eight. He's made the top eight every single yeah. year. Yeah, and, and I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he came up with some weird off-the-walls list or just a really good Eldar list. Um, he's, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the... The Sean Naden list is going to be the first thing I look up when the lists become live. And it's interesting because a lot of the times when a player dedicates to the ETC team, they have a really bad, uh, not, I shouldn't say bad. They have a less amazing ITC season because they're so focused on that and uh, they're different formats. They're very different formats. So I've noticed that's very common. Like some of the best players I know, though, when they're really focused on their ETC duties, don't have their best ITC season. Um, and I think they're just trying to focus on their goals, which may happen to me next season because uh, Frankie and I will be repping the United States on the ETC team. We're very excited for that. I've uh, been invited multiple times, but never been able to do it. So uh, very excited to rep the USA and go in and play with our European friends. Uh, very exciting. Can't wait to see how it all shakes down, right? Like this is the end of the season, a monumental event. It's going to be really cool. If you can't make it, hopefully you tune in one of the, the, the various streaming outlets and uh, join us to watch uh, from wherever you are and enjoy it that way. So let's talk about some f upcoming ITC events. Obviously, we're really sorry we missed the last two weeks. For those of you who are waiting for your uh, plug, uh, sincerely apologize. We rarely ever miss a broadcast, but we were moving. Um, and we will be audio only for the next for this and at least one, probably two more episodes, just FYI. So we have a, a, a crap ton of events this weekend, as always. Uh, we do have one GT, the Critical Hit Gaming Lounge 40K LVO Prep. That's in Ontario, Canada. Check that out. And then there's about a two dozen RTTs. How cool is that? We have an LVO Prep tournament in Ontario, Canada. They're all over the world. They're, oh, yeah. That, that, yeah. That's great. Oh, there's another one in Anchorage, Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that is that is crazy how how global the Las Vegas Open is. Wait, when's KingCon? Is that next week? Ooh, it's right before the LVO. It's it's coming up. It's in January. I don't know. I don't know when. Hopefully, that's not affected by the horrible fires going on in Australia. I, I don't think it is. I don't my, know. Because it's funny. My, my my if, I have a ton of family in Australia, and I have a ton of family visiting Australia right now. Mm -hmm. And some of them they're on like um, they're on the coast. 
they're fine, but my cousin's house in the Blue Mountains, which is outside of Sydney, he or his, his wife was posting pictures. The fire went up to like 20 feet from their front door. Oh, my God. Yeah, it burned her garden down. And she was really upset. Oh. But their neighbors came over and helped fight the fire because they live out in the country. Yeah. And it was really scary. So for anybody affected by it. You yeah, know, my uh, condolences to everyone. Dude, that's scary. Um, it's, yeah. it's gnarly. Yeah, and we come from the California fire. So we, we're, we're kind of somewhat familiar. Yeah, with not that. obviously not nearly. Nothing's nearly been as bad as that. But uh, we're hopefully everyone everyone turns out to be okay listening to this. Yeah. Uh, when, it, when it affects your family like that and you see pictures, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is very real. Um, their house almost burned down. Yeah. They lost everything. So uh, on a brighter note, there's a bunch of Age of Sigmar events coming up this uh, this month as well. Check those out. Uh, and of course, if you like the ITC, you like what it's about, you want to support it financially because it does cost many tens of thousands of dollars per year to run, you can do so via our Patreon. And you can do it as little as $1 a month. 100% of the proceeds go back into the ITC to help it stay uh, alive, healthy, growing, to be not such a financial burden on on frontline gaming as it has been in the past. And to those of you who are supporting us via our Patreon, sincere thank you. Um, you really make it, you, you keep it sustainable, put it that way. All right, 40K ITC current top five. Um, interesting, Richard, I thought was supposed to jump Jim, but I guess an event didn't get uploaded. Yeah. Uh, which so, is strange, it's been quite a while, but. Yeah. Uh-huh. So number one, we have Jim, I still play Chaos, I swear, Vessel. <laughs> number two, uh, Richard, I, how do you play 40k? I just picked this up this year, Siegler. Mm, I was going with Richard. I swear I'm number one in the ITC Siegler, but yours is good too. Uh, Nick, I invented the leaf blower and am still relevant, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, the brown magic non-a-body. And then um, uh, John, I love the Beatles linen. There you go. That was uninspired. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, we were going to go with the Beatles anyways. John, um, Florida man linen. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh, and also, we want to throw a teaser out there. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll let Nick. I'll let Nick do it. But got some exciting news coming from uh, Oh, that's getting announced from, today. From Nick. Is it? Today, Wednesday on the 8th, according to the Art of War um, web. So if you're listening to this, you probably already announced it. But if you haven't heard the big news yet, head on over to that website and uh, check it out. Yeah. Uh, Theartofwar40k.com. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, exciting stuff on that front. We're really, uh, it's a, another cool new thing that uh, Frontline Gaming is a part of. We're excited to be a part of that. 40K ITC Hobby Track Top 5. Jim Vessel leading the pack. Jim, I hedged my bets. Vessel. He's he's definitely getting it. He was he was talking about... He just um, has to show up, really. And yeah. He's got it. Yeah, on the bonus episode, he was talking about... Um, how he was going to bring space Marines. And one of the things he said while he was kind of deciding between space Marines and chaos was I've got a beautifully painted army either way. So he didn't, he didn't say it, but he was basically like, like I'm going to win the hobby track. I either way. So whether I pick space Marines or chaos doesn't really matter. I'm just trying to pick the army for the most fun. Um, The only way Carl or Lou who are the most realistically in position to give him a shot at it is if they really bring the thunder because they're not that far behind him in points, and the LVO is so gargantuan that it is conceivable that they jump, they leapfrog him. It's improbable because Jim's army is obviously beautiful. Mm. If it's his Chaos army, it's sexy and it's got a great uh, display board. But if Carl Payne, who's in second, or Lou Rollins, who's in third and won it last year, really bring the thunder with some you know ludicrous display, you know, it really, really just come. 
they come in on you know wires from the ceiling or something <laughs> like that. You know, they, it is conceivable that yeah. they beat well, him. They already tried, but the airport security uh, managed to find Jim Vessel's army, and so Carl and Lou were foiled. And, and that's only a joke <laughs> they tried because to Tanya Harding. It. <laughs> and that's only a joke because Carl and Lou are some of the nicest people Literally. you will ever yeah. meet. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it, it's either way. Uh, uh, I'm excited to see some of the gorgeous armies that we see, uh, not only in 40K, but also Age of Sigmar. Oh, the Age of Sigmar armies are absolutely beautiful. Like, the, the, like we've said this a million times, the average Age of Sigmar army would win best painted at a 40K tournament. Yes. In most, in many cases. Most. Right? Like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what about it. Maybe it's the beautiful models, the fantasy tradition. I don't know. But they just seem to have better looking armies on that yeah. side of the room. And the AOS terrain, I will say with full confidence, uh, at the LVO is some of the best I've ever seen. I did help make and paint a lot of it. <laughs> but the tables are are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And, and it really it really provides a stage to show off the beautiful Age of Sigma armies. Um, fourth uh, place, Paul Winters. And fifth, Dominique Corette. Age of Sigma are current top five. And this is going to be a big showdown. Uh, Jeremy, the French overlord Vessier, is currently in first with a very uh, comfortable lead. So I think he's looking very good to take it home as long as he doesn't like lose his first game or something like that. James O'Brien is in second. Alexander Gonzalez is in third. Anthony Lawrence in fourth. And Joe Cryer in fifth. Now, it's anybody's game because, again, this is a big event, a lot of points. But Jeremy does have a considerable lead, so it's his to lose. It's going to be very interesting to see how this shakes down. Jeremy has been playing um, um, the Fire Slayers. And it's interesting because the meta is not Fire Slayers. The meta is all uh, uh, he nets a Slanesh. So he's coming in with something unique, and he's been just curb-stomping people with it. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes down on the Age of Sigmar side of things. Uh, Age of Sigmar Hobby Track, current top five. Uh, LVO is going to radically change the rankings because it's still not as well-known, and not as many events are participating in it, so it's going to be very exciting to see how it goes at the end. Derek Page is in first place. Rich Waters in second, Jeremy Vessier in third, is very well positioned to get a, our first double crown, ITC. Uh, Matt Beasley in fourth, and Alex Gonzalez in fifth. Yeah, now Derek Page, I want to give a special shout out to Derek. Um, he's a phenomenal painter, and he switched over from Age of Sigmar to 40K. Uh, and if he gets another rank or another Age of Sigmar hobby score in before the LVO, um, he can very well run away with it because he's got some gorgeous, gorgeous armies and some beautiful display boards. Yeah, it's what he's known for, is those crazy display boards. Yeah. Uh, your Shades by our current top five. And again, the LVO is going to shake these rankings up dramatically because we have three different events at the LVO. <clears throat> Ivan Cho is in first place, followed by Jonathan Coulson. Tony Field in third, Matthew Martin in fourth, and Danny Velasquez in fifth. And most of these players are coming to the LVO. I have actually chatted with quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. Kill Team current top five. And... The Kill Team event at the LVO is, to my knowledge, I believe it's the biggest Kill Team event that has ever happened. Kill Team's relatively young, so that's you know, temper that boast a bit. But I, in the ITC, with total certainty, it's the biggest event. Uh, it's going to be the first major uh, that's ever happened for Kill Team. So that's really exciting. And the Kill Team crew that we've got are just passionate about it. There's like eight guys named Alex. Uh, guys and gals named Alex involved, and uh, and then there's Sheldon. It's the Alex hive mind. <laughs> there's so many of them named Alex, and they email me in, and I can never remember which one is which. I'm like, which Alex is this? Uh, it's funny. 
But uh, Michael T. Holy, the one and only, sitting in first place with a very considerable lead. He must be very confident coming in. Uh, Alex Torbert in second, one of the Alexes, uh, also was on the Canadian uh, Olympic team. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Super nice guy. What did he do? Uh, he was uh, bobsled. Oh, okay. Luge. Oh, my gosh. He's going to yell at me. One or the other. <laughs> I don't know what the difference is. He rode I only remember the, a device the... down the ice. I, I only All I know about that uh, sport is from what I saw from the Disney movie where the Jamaicans do the bobsled team. Yeah, I'm on. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's really cool. Uh, to be an Olympian of any sort is obviously an amazing achievement. Uh, Janice Gilhelm in third, Alex Squires in fourth, and George Rollins in fifth. Right on. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this audio-only version of Signals. If we had a bus drive by in the background, if someone started banging on a pipe, it would be complete. We'll see if Mariana can add that in post. <laughs> uh, so good to be back. Can't wait to see everybody at the Las Vegas Open. It's going to be phenomenal. Rhino, thank you for joining me. No problem. Uh, and uh, I mentioned this on the, the Chapter Jackets episode at the beginning of the month, but look forward to a whole bunch of Las Vegas Open coverage coming to you from Signals, from The Art of War, from 40K Stat Center and from Chapter Tactics. The Frontline Gaming Network is really going to get together this month to bring you guys some amazing coverage. Um, so don't miss a single episode uh, if you're one of those people who likes to skip around, watch them all, especially if you're interested in covering the LVO. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Can't wait to see who is left standing. It's like Kumite. <laughs> all right, everybody. Until next time.